0: You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Cullerton.
1: This week, we're talking about modernizing your approach to trade marketing and what it takes to build a team for sustained success. My name's Jim Ganser, VP of Media and Acquisition, reminding you the best way to get with the program is to follow us on Twitter at The A-Game Podcast. We couldn't have picked a better crew this, for this topic this week. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, so you, you might recognize that young man. He is our VP of account service, Jeff Culliton. Dulcet tones. And we've got two new guests this week. Very excited to have Ashley Mack, account manager extraordinaire. Hello. Welcome to the program. Thank you. And our VP and group account manager, Brian Kozel, in
0: hey the there. house.
2: Thanks for having me, excited. <laughs> the excitement's all over here. All over on this side of the you
0: table. You can't
1: you can't see it out there because this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. But I'm pointing at my chest.
0: All on mics one and four. Mics one five and four of my fingers. It's Very true. excited. Very excited. Very excited.
1: But since we've got some new uh, new voices here today, I thought we'd start off by allowing you guys to introduce yourself. Ashley, take it away. What do you what do you got? What do you do here? Why don't I, you start
0: out with your nickname too?
3: Oh yeah, my nickname is Amac Money. I have tried to get that to stick. It's hardly there, but is, it's was all it right. Was it
0: a self-imposed nickname? Did you bring it on yourself?
3: Uh, we won't go there. But okay. I think Sorry. everyone should start calling me that. Okay. Amac Continue. Money. Amac um, Money. I've been on the account side for two and a half years here at Adcom, um, working on several clients here, and it's been an awesome time to be here.
1: It really has. because <laughs> it's a great time to be alive, <laughs> Brian. What say you?
2: Hey, hey, I uh, group account manager. So I've been here nine years. It's a long time. You, hey, is
0: this this is your ninth year? You're coming up on your tenth. Yeah, we're gonna have to do something no, nice no. for your decade. Uh, Jeff's Mar- great at math, Mar- by March the way. Twenty eleven will math. be my tenth. Twenty. 2011. 20 March of twenty eleven. It's
2: huh? going back. Yeah, twenty twenty one. So next oh, year. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, group account managers. I've been here. I, I get involved with a lot of our clients, but I also get to work with a lot of the teams that support them. Ashley and I actually uh, work super close with a bunch of the clients. Um, trying to think back of where the AMAC money came from, but-
3: I think I just started chanting it down the it, hall.
2: I think it, it's fitting. Sure. It's fitting. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's exciting. I, I, I have the fortune of working with a lot of our trade clients here, and I know that's something we're going to be getting into, so.
0: Brian is responsible for bringing logic to the illogical. Mostly with Excel documents. Mostly with Excel yeah. documents.
2: <laughs> it's a familiar, comfortable Woo. place for me.
0: You know, it's interesting, Us face tattoos are becoming very popular. You should get a face tattoo or maybe a neck tattoo of just a spreadsheet. Of a grid? Yeah, just a grid. No, but I'd like some column headers. Yeah, if if possible.
2: I had thought when we were submitting art on our wall downstairs of doing something in Excel. Sure. It was just a thought, never came to be. It's too bad.
1: So do we feel like when it comes to adcom, is it more
0: art or science?
3: Oof. Oof.
2: Great debate. I will you okay. can go first. You, go first. you go
0: first. So that's Jeff. I firmly believe in the art versus science duality of an agency. Oh boy! I know. Here we go. Um, we I think we've been more art than science for a long time. I'd hmm. say we were eighty twenty. I think that I think the pendulum is swinging on that. The I pendulum agree. doth swing the other way. What do you think? I, I can't. Think. I'm not even sure I can say your nickname with the level of cool A-Mac that it needs money. to take.
3: I think it's definitely changed because our clients are changing and the modernizing with our trade and everything we we have to be more data driven and uh we need we can't just give them a creative show i know our clients specifically always want well why are you showing us that and we always need to have a backup of why you know our creative pitches are always changing because they want why? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know, social ad versus these digital ads now, and we always have to have a backup. And why we're doing things, so we always work with Jim's team to get. That's right, because we right. got
0: them numbers. You got them numbers. Do you think the it's data. it's more us pushing them to be data driven because it I validates do. us, or it's more them pushing us because they need to report up?
3: I think I think we lead our clients. Um it's and a company. And we, I think, I truly, I true wholeheartedly believe that we do lead our clients with, hey, this is, you know, with universal analytics that we have, I think we totally are leading them and telling them like where they need to go with, with their ads and with their creative and what, how their product should be launched in market and how we reach those audiences instead of, you know, they don't, I mean, they ask us for our opinion. That's at least how our clients are with, with, with uh, Brian and I's clients. So that's how I think.
2: What about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's common for us. Everybody needs to do more with less. And it includes dollars and staff. And so I think a lot of the things that are driving us to have to present an objective lens to decisions are is that, you know, if they only have so many dollars, where are they gonna put them? If they only have so many hours, how are you gonna spend them? Um, so I think that's been a big driver. I think we have the same challenges ourselves in our, in our business as well. We gotta get better, faster, stronger. Um specific to ADCOM, I'm being having been here a bit, I think certainly there's a pendulum shift, right? I think things are moving in that data direction. I'm a I'm an analytical type of guy. That I is, dig it. I just that did is a pendulum selling with my that arm. That is selling short the level of yeah. analytical that you are. Um, <laughs> but I still really appreciate the gut instinct that we have to have in mm-hmm. this business. And I think I think that's the ultimate challenge for us is to not just become dependent on the data or data.
0: Well, let me say this is 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 strategy gut and is execution data? So when you when we're no. pitching, Mm-mm.
1: no, they're not mutually exclusive. That would be Thank my answer. You,
0: that was the answer I was looking for. Yeah.
1: Going back to the art and science, it was a trick question because art actually is science. <laughs> Science huh. is art. So if you think about music, really it's just a there. series mm-hmm. of, of numbers. It's like on the twos and fours or what have you. It's, it's all numbers. It's all numbers. So uh, you're welcome.
0: You're that, welcome world. You're welcome world. So uh, let me ask you this. As somebody who is day to day on several different accounts,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm presuming this, so stop me if I'm wrong. The way you work with these accounts you're now probably over the last couple of years deeper in data now it's structured data it's visualized data mm-hmm. more now than you were previously in your career
3: absolutely brian could probably speak more to it because i've only been here two and a half years but and brian's
0: been here almost 10. <laughs> yeah <laughs> coming in 2021.
1: yeah that's like he's like a third grader yeah. if he was born <laughs> <laughs> his first in third grade,
0: that's how long he's been here that's an interesting way of looking at it. But how much, I mean, Brian, how much does that, as somebody who kind of oversees the flock, how much does that affect, you know, you've worked in, an, in, a, in a way where, you know, we would set a plan, do a plan, communicate with a client. Now your teams are looking at data on a weekly basis on trending and activity. You have way more data and metrics mm-hmm. when they're structured properly to be able to look at for all of their channels and how they fit together. Like how different is that in the teams that you see of operating in that way where we're where our gut is is looking at the data, but the data is validating. And then it's it's kind of pushing us in directions to lead a client.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's been exciting to watch people really have an interest in wanting to understand the historic, what has happened. I think previously we would go out and create and push it out there and look for the next opportunity to create. And there wasn't necessarily like pause yeah, that's interesting. to say like, oh, well, what's going on? I think um, it's been really fun to feel to see, I should say, people that are less comfortable with data kind of get into it and try to represent it and speak to it. Um, there's been some funny moments, you know, on our team where where the creative groups are the guys that are really pushing for well, how to do? You know, like how many clicks did we get? And yeah. it's like a new language to them. Um, I and mean, it's exciting. So I think with that, everybody through data feels a little bit more invested mm-hmm. and it kind of adds a level of accountability as well to our work. Um, and then for our clients, it's a nice justification because sometimes we'll push an idea and it may not immediately resonate. And inevitably they give us the trust to execute. And then mm-hmm. we have the data on the backside to, the, to demonstrate that it's worked. So. Um, It's been fun. It's uh, it's ever evolving though. There's always new things Mm -hmm. to analyze.
1: So those listeners out there are probably thinking to themselves, wait a minute, I thought we're talking about trade. Trade media, right? Or trade clients. We're, We're talking about data and we're talking about the trades. Conventional wisdom says you buy trade publications, you go to trade websites, you go to trade shows. How did you guys get to a point where you're now having these conversations with clients specifically about data, that tells me online advertising. How how did, how have you taken your clients to that space, and what does it take to keep them there?
2: I think specific to the trade industry, what we're seeing is a lot of the audience is evolving. It's, there's a, a group of individuals that's aging out, uh, specific in the B2B realm. There's an older generation that's leaving, and there's a new generation coming in. and um, in that moment we were really challenged to better understand how to reach those folks. And so we would have conversations with our trade partners and ask them to help us understand what they could do to attribute the the investments we were making and who's coming, specifically who, who's reading your books, and they weren't able to give us necessarily the answers we were looking for. So that, and the pubs are incredibly expensive, just like with the idea of data in mind if you think about the number of eyeballs you're getting on it and what you're investing. Um, it really was obvious that we need to look for new new avenues to to kind of reach this newer, younger demographic of audience. Well, the tra-
0: uh, the trades are in and of themselves very tactile. They're very visual. And it seemingly what has popped up is a, a pretty significant set of influencers around what many people would consider an unlikely spot in the trades. But it seemingly from the work that you guys do, that's thriving. Like influencers within the trade market, whatever it may be, are actually utilizing Instagram and Facebook, presumably shortly TikTok, in order to create audiences for themselves. Is that what you're seeing?
3: Yeah, I mean, Instagram is, for one of our clients, is one of the, the largest platforms that we use. I mean, we've gotten, just since I've been here, away from trade publications, I'd say over 50%, and we're investing more in the digital and Instagram and social, but Instagram specifically and influencers. Like, we saw them, you know, at trade shows and other influencer events, and, I mean, they like that rough and tough how-to videos posting about the product, and it's, like, it goes, like, viral compared to, like, what we were, you know, putting out there just from being the voice of the client. So, I mean, our, our clients had to get on board with that. And then once they saw how awesome the results were and the data, I mean, it was, it was clear that's where we had to keep going with it.
0: Would you say, because you guys you guys have gone, and, and you for a longer period of time, you've been going to the trade shows.
3: I have one next week.
0: You have one next week. That's right. Where are you guys going? Indianapolis. That's right. Um, so you've been going to the trade shows. Have these influencers been there under the radar kind of the entire time? Or is it a re- relatively new kind of phenomenon's the wrong word, but are, are these people just popping up as, as that tactic in, and the ease of the ability to put out your own content has come up? Is that something relatively new or has it always kind of been there?
2: I think some of them have been there. I think what's been interesting is, uh, with our clients, we found a few folks that had a little bit of a following and we leaned into that a few years ago, about three years ago, we pulled together a pretty cool influencer event, um, we brought people in. We really raised their platform a lot through mm-hmm. our through our clients' brands. And by extending our brand, the client brand through their personal brands, I think other trades folks saw it. Cause what's really interesting about trades people is they are hyper-connected. Mm-hmm. They're very much a community, very much like the maker community, like yeah. trades folks, people that are turning wrenches or picking up welders. Love to talk to each other, um, share, horrific stories on the job or um, solutions <laughs> yeah, to problems. Just the they weird. just... Soft I lost packages. finger when... Lost yeah. fingers or, you know, the things that they pull out of drains or find in a construction oh, site. So, so, just, yeah, some of those are brutal. It's, it's good, but um, I don't know, it's been crazy. Like the, the, the ability to grab one of those personal brands and have them catapult the corporate brand for our clients forward is really impressive. So... To your question, I think what's happened is there's been a few folks that brands have grabbed onto it, and then they've, other influencers, or aspiring influencers have seen it and they've been pretty vocal to, to tag us, to direct message us mm-hmm. and kind of, they're raising their own hand and then you know we hunt them down and then Joel, a regular here, gets the. You may know him, <laughs> Joel Hammond. Joel, yeah,
1: He's usually looking at his phone right
2: about right now. Right about now. Yeah. Right Scrolling about now. through
0: Twitter, looking for data. <laughs>
2: He's best friends with a lot of uh, <laughs> our influencers. A lot of the, tr- the most influential trade people. You know, they're on like BFF status. Is my they're like my Joel, Hammond,
3: oh, Joel Hammond, You're famous. Oh, Joel I love that
0: guy.
2: He's almost verified. Not really. He's not verified.
3: <laughs> it's funny though. With influencers, they our competitors are now. They're trying to chase the same influencers that our clients have because ah. they. I think we we kind of set the bar in the trade industry. And they're like, wow, well, we want that influencer now. We need them. And, you know, we've created such a great bond. I mean, we just talked about Joel and our clients have created bonds with them as well. And it's like they feel like there's like a friendship and a tie to these certain clients that they're like, I'm loyal. I'm, I'm going to be with them. And I oh, think... Have
0: you, have you seen that so far? I mean, they're starting to get cherry picked and they're sticking with I mean, they still the like
3: here and there will go and do things with competitors. But I think like overall, yeah. they're always like they know where to go home to. And it's been really cool to see it evolve. Like these influencer events that Brian was talking about, like just over the one year from trade show to trade show, it's like, now we're doing in booth events with influencers, like live with them. Instead of, you know, two years ago, they weren't even in booth. It's it's crazy to see just like how a couple years
0: things are totally changing. That's
2: a pretty massive shift. The influencers themselves are getting savvy. I mean, they know they have a personal brand now. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to capitalize on it you know they're looking for a good deal, you know, a, a good brand to support them. Um, and cer- and they're really honest. So they remain authentic in that way. Like and that's the thing. If you give them something as a brand, they're going to they let you know how they feel about it. So it's it's a cool space. They haven't sold out yet. The community is from my from my perspective.
0: That's probably Agreed. significantly more authentic. Though like you you give an influencer something and they're just constantly this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, they they lose their brand. Their brand gets significantly diluted. You look like a puppet. I mean, if you're you're being honest about that kind of stuff, that 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 gets you clout.
2: Yeah, it it becomes uncomfortable naturally <laughs> <For> sometimes, <you. laughs> but uh, it's the right thing to do. It is in theory. So,
1: so you guys talked a little bit about trade shows. What does it take to get the most out of a trade show experience? When we're talking about the type of clients that we work with, yeah.
2: I mean, Ashley is like on the ground planning this whole thing. There's a ton that goes No pressure, Ashley. I know uh, yeah. you're
1: going to be at a trade show next week. Yeah. KPI, we, KPI.
2: We do a lot of different things to support our clients. I think I could, I could speak to a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned trade in the media, right? And in terms of making investments with paid media, it may not always be the best use of your dollar, but certainly sure. uh, what they're writing and publishing still has quite a bit of credibility. So I think we spend a lot of time in advance to to line up media and to really help drive an editorial push because there is still a bunch of credibility. And I think those people are going to be there. They're going to be in booths. So I think we really use it as an opportunity to organize and orchestrate, just making sure you're going to get the most of the editors that are on site and creating the content. Um, So I think there's a ton of that stacking up. And I know... On our client side, they work really hard to make sure their lead capture systems are mm-hmm. in play. They try to incent that, and there's always some kind of fun stunt or giveaway or promo. Um, some shows are more outrageous than others. I've been to shows for different industries beyond just the trade, and um, what happens at a trade show is pretty wild sometimes. They can get crazy, but... So what's, a, did,
0: what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen given away at a booth? Hmm.
2: The weirdest thing given away?
0: Huh? I have a great answer for this. Yeah, I have no idea. Live alligator. That's Smaller. weird. Yeah. But a live
2: alligator. What was the What was the show? I don't want to talk about it.
3: That's oh. weird.
2: <laughs> Are
0: you sure this was a trade show? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. For a while, I supported some clients in the optical space, and you wouldn't think it, but I've been to some of those shows, and they're crazy. It's super fashion forward, and there's like hmm. runways set up. It was, I was young and my career, wasn't what I expected at all. But I don't remember alligators. There was an alligator. There was no alligators. There was. This was a this
0: was a tech conference. This was Dreamforce sh- five years ago. That makes sense. I think so. Dreamforce. Dreamforce is Salesforce's conference. Yeah. No, which has now gotten. I mean, there's in San Francisco. I think this year there's two hundred thousand attendees.
3: Who wants to take home an alligator?
0: Nobody wants to take home an no. alligator. Okay, I'm just, it's just clear on
1: that. It's a I got
0: a T-shirt once.
1: Sometimes I wear it when I work out.
0: I will. <laughs> yeah. The tech industry is great for that. They'll give you t- T-shirts for days. You walk around that place, get a wardrobe.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really at a trade show, though. I don't think it was technically a trade show. I was at South by Southwest. This is great. Uh, should I... I, I don't want to break up the party, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop the F word. Okay, go ahead. All right, Facebook. Okay. Party See what ever? I did there? So B2B advertising and Facebook... There's there's often many a conversation. First inclination is, this is not going to work for my clients. my audience isn't there. My audience is not on Facebook. Now the reality is, I mean we've heard the word data so many times in this conversation. Um, the fact of the matter is, is there's there's actually a compelling case to be made for Facebook. What do you guys see with Facebook specifically when it when it comes to campaigns? I know you talk about Instagram that feels a little bit more organic mm-hmm. and natural, but when we talk about paid channels. Are you guys seeing any lift with regard to channels like Facebook?
3: Yeah, I i mean, Facebook, it's our go-to besides, I mean, Instagram, like you said, it was organic, but Facebook is like our true, our beloved lovers of the brand. Yeah. They are our first and they are never gonna go away from the brand. So I think we speak directly to our audience. They're still there, they're not going anywhere. And our influencer, influencers are obviously heavier on Instagram, but we're still seeing our, an audience lift on Facebook and people diving into that, that platform. So it, for our clients, it's still very much alive.
0: If you wanna see Jim Ganser get mad, <laughs> say that you're, you're a B2B marketer and your audience isn't on Facebook, and then he's gonna regale you with about 15 to 20 stats telling you that that person is a person all day long who checks Facebook? And they are not just a B two B marketer from nine to five. Just in in case you're curious, if you want to, like, you would really want to get into a, a hard up. a hard ten minutes of Jim getting mad.
2: Uh, to piggyback on Ashley, we definitely we definitely see our audience there mad. on Facebook. Um, More aggravated. One of the interesting things we see too is they don't. You know, it's not just a place to throw an ad out and take them somewhere. We get a ton of activity inside the channel, and I think that's been a a fun thing to kind of walk our clients through and have them understand that it's not necessarily a place where you just find them, you could target them, and you can identify them fairly specifically, but you want to keep them there, and they have units that allow us to educate. Um, They're super dynamic, so it's been um, an extension of their digital properties, and sometimes we use it as a solution to overcome limitations Mm -hmm. that they might have on their own web properties if they have a tough time maybe publishing custom content or embedding video. I mean um, Facebook is a place that you can really drive a deeper more dynamic experience so it's been great and then in terms of organic I think we've seen crazy like continual lift in engagement I think we keep thinking that we might tap out in terms of some of what we see is in terms of year over year growth but um, you know, triple-digit growth, couple years consecutives for some of our larger, wow, really? trade accounts mm-hmm. in terms of organic engagement mm-hmm. on social content. So, um, they're there. They're active. I know. It's va-
0: I know it's validating your opinion. You can smirk and shake your head at me all you want. I mean, we I'm have not so, we have I'm straight faced
3: so much chatter on Facebook. We get you know some of our clients. They're when they build products, they they pride themselves on. You know, using the audience insights to build these products or that's reinvent huge. products, and some of it's from Facebook and Instagram and those influencers. And it's they love seeing that. Like when we go to these trade shows, they're like, "You you listen to me." Like that's what we're really? hearing. Like you listen to me. You you design this product just from like what you heard in the field, and that's what our clients are priding themselves on. And listening to the chatter that's on these channels. Man,
0: that's amazing. I don't I don't think that's a story that's told enough because you know, I was having a conversation earlier today about how expensive it is to get a focus group in and whether or not you think that you know, ultimately that's a valid source because it's such a small subset.
1: So I was playing possum a little bit with the Facebook stuff. I, I, I knew the it. answers, uh, but I also work with these guys. Um, and a couple of things things that, that Brian kind of pointed out that I just wanted to reinforce is when you really know your audience and you know them very well, Um, it puts you in a better position um, to engage them with the right type of content at the right kind of time. And one of the things that we've found is, I mean, we had some theories going in when we started taking some of our clients into the digital space, specifically in paid social. And one of the things that was very surprising to us is, you know, you've got all these different products in like a Facebook and an Instagram where you can extend some storytelling at the point of the ad. Everybody knows that, you know, it's very difficult to get a click. I mean, what constitutes success? Like if you get 1% of the impressions that you serve responding, that's huge, but it's still 1%, right? It's, It's so small. But when you use some of these formats and you use them in a creative way to create an immersive experience, it not only communicates more, but when they do take action, they take action on your website at a much higher rate. So you're taking somebody that's more informed about a product or an offering, and you're dropping them into an environment where they can take action. And we've seen that quite a bit with, with um, some of the ads that we've, we've pushed out there. Now, not everybody operates the same way from an authenticity standpoint, sure. right? You, know, it, you can't just slap an ad on a social channel and expect like incremental results. Some of the clients that we work with have taken the time and energy, and I commend you guys that work closely with them, because you do absolutely represent uh, the brand and the trade in a way that's authentic. So it makes my job a lot easier on the media side when that happens.
0: That's a good partner in crime right there. Because
1: there's, I mean. Thanks, Jim. We've all seen bad ads, right? (laughs)
3: Never out of this agency. Never. No.
1: Well, Not I've once. I've never seen a bad ad in the agency once. Not one dud. No. Just
3: wanted to
0: make that clear. Yeah.
1: I. I I go, it I go home tonight. crying every night because <laughs> I'm so moved. But the ads that come out of this, I
0: brought to tears yeah. weekly. If I had a dollar for every
1: time somebody knocked on my window and said, "Are you okay, sir?" Yeah. And I said, "I'm just so happy. <laughs> I love my family." <laughs>
0: Oh, this is great. Half a white cloth. This dude goes sideways, he starts getting weepy. I love it. I love it about you. Everybody thinks you're so tough on the the exterior.
1: You know what? I think everybody needs a good cry every now and again. It's refreshing. Sure. So, okay. Now, let's, let's get to brass tacks. B2B marketing. We all do B2B, right? Bad rap. It's bad rap. Not sexy, right? I say it's sexy as hell. What do you think, Jeff?
0: <laughs> it's the Beyonce of marketing. Is it? Yeah. To How me, so? How it so? Is. You actually in. So I always joke about not all, but some retail being burgers and fries. You're just it's constant. In B2B, you got to nurture, man. You got a relationship. And I, being somebody who likes cultivating relationships, think it's more interesting. You have a, and then you have a bigger net outcome. Those are the two things that I like. You have to nurture people. It's not just a quick 2 bucks. I need a by the way, if you saw this week Brandless, did you see Brandless shutdown? Mm-mm. It's a Brandless shutdown because they didn't have a brand. I think. But <laughs> you have these super it's
1: funny. Is that a dad joke or? Yeah, it was a I don't joke. Know, I love but it. But you have
0: these when, when you sell oh, something God. if you're a Procter and Gamble or a Unilever and you sell something that's $2, $3, $4 and you're massing. You're just trying to get some sort of very superficial relationship in front of somebody. You never get a relationship like somebody coming up to you at a trade show and saying, you heard me. B2B marketing offers you a longer runway with a greater, typically monetary outcome to really create an engagement level where you're you're furnishing somebody something of value. Not just brandless soap. What
1: I like about B two B marketing is the end user. They actually really give a shit
0: mm-hmm. because B2B. they're because the Beyonce of marketing. They've got
1: skin in the game. This isn't like I'm trying to sell hand lotion to Jeff, who's clearly got very dry hands. But true. he's cool. You yeah. he just put him in his Supple. pocket. He doesn't care. He doesn't have any skin in that game. You see what I did there? The skin. <laughs> yeah, it was a skin joke. Yeah, his dad jokes, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Skin joke well, you are got, not you funny. You've got three dads around the table. I know, right. Brian, you're next. I, I don't
2: I'm not a big dad joker, but I'll work on it. I'll work <laughs> hey, on it.
1: There's nothing funny about psoriasis.
2: It's
0: <laughs> not even a dad joke. That's, That's
2: just true. Just it's funny. true. I, I echo you guys. I mean B2B marketing, I I think I appreciate it most because the products are absolutely necessary. I mean to your point of lotion, right? We all we could we can get by. You can get um by. But the things we're marketing, people genuinely need. I just think it's presenting them with the right information at the right time, and you know, be compelling about why it's a great value. So um, it's different. You know, my my wife works in a completely different category. She's got to sell greeting cards, and I think it's a different ball game. You know, you got to create you got to create that trip create that transaction i think b2b maybe it's a little dad bit jokes. maybe it's a little dad bit dad <laughs> joke line of
0: line of dad joke cards
3: yeah there dad you go jokes. you should talk Ooh, to you her, just her
2: said about that to the, yeah. the world maybe maybe b2b i'm not trying to say it's easier but you know the customers certainly depend on it and they make a living it's their livelihood the products often so
1: ashley what do you think
3: everything you guys said is is right i mean we these people need the products they're not out there like oh lotion You know, that that shirt looks good. I mean, these are.
0: Well, and you've done heavy B2C. Mm hmm. You've done heavy B2C.
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, getting, you know, small niche people to want to buy these things. Now, that's, you have to have these things for, you know, building a house or, you know, whatever else it may be. But, I mean, it's, these are must haves. So it's very sexy, Jim. (laughs) Yes, it is.
1: is. (laughs) I'm sorry if everybody out there is uncomfortable right now. I am not. Well, I like this conversation. I appreciate everybody joining this week. Hopefully the listeners out there got something out of it. Uh, a couple of things that popped for me that I just wanted to bring top uh, for everybody. Number one, you don't need to sink a bunch of money into focus groups to actually find insights and use them. So we've got clients that are actively listening through social channels. Last I checked, free to have one. Mm-hmm. As far as I know. Mm-hmm. Everybody's nodding, well, everybody's. Yeah.
0: It's not really for you pay with your data, but that's neither here nor there.
1: You pay with your heart.
0: <laughs> Keep going.
1: <laughs> be smart. Find ins- inspiration is everywhere if you're looking through clear eyes. Yes. So you can't just put an ad out there and expect everybody to jump all over it. Understand your audience, um, understand your clients, and don't be afraid to push them. I think clients ultimately wanna be led And when you are a subject matter expert and you're closer to the data, sometimes you gotta push a little bit and sometimes those conversations are tough. But in the end, it builds stronger relationships. Well, it's easier
0: to push when you've got data as a validating point. Yeah,
1: so I would like to thank everyone for joining me this week. I think it was a great conversation.
0: I agree. And I think we're gonna get some play out music, maybe return to the Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Seems right. Or Mac the Knife. Hey, where, Oh, Mac 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 the the Knife. Yeah, before we leave, where can they find us?
1: Oh, you can find us on Twitter at the A-Game Podcast. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to get really crazy, you can follow Atcom at the Adcom Group on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or find us on Instagram where there's some great
0: storytelling going and on. And Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to this podcast because you love what you hear so much, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. That's Hit right. That button. We're going to to you on a weekly basis. And if you don't want
1: to follow the show,
0: get out. We don't want you either. No, you're out.
3: Cutthroat here.
0: Hey, no other way to be. Thank you for being here, guys.
2: Thanks for having us. Great show. We're going to have to bring you
0: back. Pleasure's all on this side of the table.
2: Back in time.